have you seen this now? Like if you do a Google search for whatever, Google's serving up the answer inside of Google. They're not even taking you to that person's website, right? And so as a marketer, you don't get to control like what the answer is anymore. People are just, oh, all people want is information quickly. They're, you know, with, with the rise of voice, they're speaking into their echo or, or Google voice, whatever that thing is called. And they're getting the answer right away. You know, the average blah, blah, blah is two feet long. Okay, you haven't even gone to the website. And so information and technology has gotten so abundant and it's everywhere that marketers don't really control the buying process anymore. Hi, welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show brought to you by SaaStock. I'm your host, Alex Thuma, and on this episode of the show, I chat with Dave Gerhardt, VP of Marketing at Drift, about the importance of brand in B2B and how to go about creating an awesome one. Dave joined Drift at the very start as their first marketer. When I asked him whether it had been his impressive resume featuring names such as HubSpot and Constant Contact that got him the job, Dave admitted it was actually his side project, the Tech in Boston podcast, his Slack channel, and email list that had caught the attention of David Cancel. Dave's experience is particularly interesting because he had always marketed to other marketers. He says he's learned the most in the past three years uh, where the heart of marketing operations has been the unique Drift brand. That's helped Dave and the company to create a new category of conversational marketing, sign up over 150,000 customers and become incredibly distinct in their marketing. Listen on to hear how to win the hearts of customers, Every company, every sales rep is going to tell you that my thing is faster, it's better, it's easier to use, it's, it integrates with all the tools you work with. Everybody's saying the same thing. And so even if you do have the best product, people don't believe you because consumers were all more skeptical than ever. And so brand is that thing that, that gets you hooked, right? Brand is what people say about you when you're, when you're not there. Brand is how your business and product looks and feels and makes people feel. How Drift approached building its brand I think David had, he wrote down basically like kind of marketing principles, which is before we were even marketing, he wrote down what he wanted our marketing to be like, kind of principles driven, which is like, write like you talk, always use real faces. And so we stopped using stock photography and only use real pictures of either us or our customers. Um, be, be real, be human, be authentic. Like I want to be the same person I am on this conversation as I am at home tonight with my wife and, and kid uh, versus like on our podcast first, like if you bumped into me on in the street on a Sunday morning, like I should always feel the same to you. And that's because I'm trying to be real. I'm real. I'm authentic. How to determine the way to approach your brand. If you look at some of the most successful companies today, uh, they all kind of have that thread of, of being real and authentic. But also, I think you have to do what works for you in your industry. And so I have done a million videos and done a million podcasts. And so it's easy for me to talk like this. And it's easy for me to put a camera in front of my face and make a video. That to me is not what makes you real or authentic, right? That's just one channel that we chose to use because it's worked well for us. But like, if I was a better writer, or if I love long form writing, I would spend more time like with a newsletter or something like that. Dave will be joining us once again at this year's SaaStock flagship conference in October in Dublin. Don't forget to sign up for the insider sale at sastock.com forward slash insiders and be the first one to find out when we release our two-for-one tickets in April. There'll only be 500 tickets up for grabs for the insider sale, and once they're gone, they're gone. Uh, we're also going to be in uh, Latin America in Sao Paulo in April for SaaStock Latam. Uh, we're going to be doing SaaStock Asia in May in Hong Kong. 
Sastock East Coast in New York, beginning of June. Sastock West Coast, September uh, in San Francisco. Then obviously the Dublin flagship events, uh, which is going to be kick-ass this year, around 4,000 uh, attendees, SAS founders, execs, investors attending. Uh, and we're finishing off the year in Australia with SAS Australasia uh, in December. So if you're listening to the podcast and you're within any of those regions, um, then go to the website sasbot.com, uh, have a look at the events calendar, uh, and see if you want to join us in the community um, for a couple of days of uh, uh, great content, learnings, and workshops uh, and parties as, uh, as well. So uh, sasbot.com forward slash events uh, and check it out. Um, and now on with the show. Welcome, Dave Gerhardt, uh, VP of Marketing at Drift, to the, to the SaaS Revolution Show. Welcome, Dave. Hey, th- thanks for having me, SaaS Talk. I'm, I'm not trying to, to, to pump you up, but SaaS Talk was one of my favorite uh, speaking events of the year. So you guys did a good job, and uh, I'm excited to chat. No, excellent. Well, uh, I always love a compliment at the beginning of the show. So, uh, you know, th- thanks for that. And, uh, no, it was, it was great to, well, not only have you – uh, speak at SASDOC and, and one of our conferences for the first time because we had uh, uh, we had your boss DC speak at the first SASDOC uh, actually and uh, I think he gave, he gave me a little comment about why he was put in the in, in the little room uh, at the back which uh, I sort of retorted that uh, well it's because he like confirmed like really late we we were pushing <laughs> we, we we were pushing for him for for months and then he came back when everything was done and said yeah I can speak. Uh, so it always but, happens that way. I think I saw a tweet from Jason Lemkin yesterday that was like SaaS the CEO says I can't do it. Then PR team says we can do it and then CEO says wait why can't I do it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I, I shared I shared that with my team. It's very true. Uh, we our, our head of content said it very true. So um, first time that you've got on the uh, on the podcast, uh, but as you said, you've spoken at, at SaaS up before. I know you uh, like well from listening to your podcast and, and Drift, but maybe for those that haven't heard about Dave Gerhardt before, um, you know who are you? Yeah, so so by you know by day, my job is I mean day defined day. Like I think everybody just it's kind of always work is always happening today. And uh, I, I'm VP of Marketing at Drift. I've been here since the beginning, three three and a half years. I was the first full time marketer. Um, the, the company's grown from about eight to 10 people when I started to over 300 now. And, um, we got offices in Boston, San Francisco and Seattle, hopefully something international, uh, for us soon. And, uh, we, we've really created this category of, of conversational marketing and, and grown from a couple of customers to there's 150,000 plus businesses using drift. And the cool part of this story to me though, is not, is not just our, our growth and drift is one of the fastest growing SaaS companies of, of all time, but it's because we use our own product to like fuel our own business. And so um, I'm actually just working on a new talk now and I just was running through it, which is why it's top of my mind, uh, which is the using our own product, eating at our own restaurant is the thing. We've felt the power of conversational marketing firsthand to grow our own business. So it's been a lot of fun. And just for me in my career, I've kind of only done by coincidence, I've only done marketing to marketers. I was at Drift. I'm at Drift now. I was at HubSpot before this. I was at Constant Contact before that. And so I've always kind of been in the in the online marketing world. So I love talking about marketing. So you, you worked, you mentioned a couple of great uh, sort of Boston SaaS companies, um, their Constant Contact and HubSpot. Um, was it, uh, do you think uh, having those names on your CV that, that really kind of like helped you get the 
the, the job at Drift or like how, uh, I guess at HubSpot, did you meet DC? Cause he was there as well. Yeah. No, I actually, it's funny because like, I always talk about those companies on my resume, but then I actually really like the resume has, has not never helped me get a job. Uh, the thing that got me, that got me my job at Drift was I had a podcast on the side called tech in Boston, where I, where I interviewed, um, founders and CEOs in Boston. Cause all the other podcasts I had were only about San Francisco. And so I, I wanted to create one about Boston and I had done about 60 interviews and I finally got the uh, DC. David was always this like mysterious figure to me. Like, who is this guy at HubSpot? Like they acquired his company and he's always blogging and like, he seems super interesting. Uh, but I never met him. And finally, when they were just getting started with drift, he actually reached out to me on Twitter, uh, to try to see if I would help them promote a little party that they were doing. And so I said, sure. I, I had like a, a, um, a decent sized following in Boston. So I, I was going to send it out through tech in Boston. And then I was like, Oh, this is my ad. So I asked him to come on my podcast. I was like, sure. I'll do it. If you come on my podcast. And so he came on my podcast and it was the day after that. I was like, that guy was legit. He is who I thought he might be. And so I found out the next morning that he was hiring his first marketing person. And so I sent him a note. I said, Hey, uh, that's gotta be me. Like we clicked and I, I totally get where you guys want to do and where you want to go. And I wanted the opportunity to be the first marketing person somewhere. And, um, the rest is history. Awesome. Awesome. No, great story there. I think, were you, were you also running like a, a Slack channel for, for the tech in Boston? Yeah. So, so it had like, I had an email, I had a, a, an email list and a, and a Slack group and, and that was not massive, but it was pretty influential. It was like maybe, you know, 3000 of the right people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so it was a good, a good launching point for, for companies in, in Boston and a good way to get their word out. And so that's, that's how we initially got connected, which is cool. And so, but, but what, what I meant to get back to on the resume thing is like, people always ask me like, what, do, what should you look for in your first marketing person? And, and I think, and I learned this lesson from David, which is like, I think people get caught up in the resume too much where I think the thing that he saw in me was this guy, maybe his resume of companies is good, but the thing that he wanted was that I had this initiative to have this side project and I grew that. And so that was when my learning really took off as a marketer because I was at big companies. And so I wasn't really the person like pushing the buttons and I think everybody does this, you, you know, you put on your resume, like helped grow blah to blah, but like you might've been one of a hundred people on a team. And so the side project thing was really important for me because I had to like do all this stuff for the first time. I had to build a website. I had to buy a domain, like things that seem obvious, like you have to do those things. And I had to, I had to figure out how to build an email list. I had to figure out how to promote this thing. I grew from zero to 60,000 downloads in a year by myself. I had to sell sponsorships, like to have to sell something and ask for money for the first time. Like all those things like taught me so many, so much more than I think I ever would have learned in a job. And then I got to come to drift and apply all those things to the business for the first time, which is really cool. Yeah. No, interesting. A lot of parallels between us actually in, 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 in that, I think at a similar time, I was doing the same thing with, uh, with this podcast and yeah, I, I remember thinking that I was like, man, I was like this guy, I remember seeing your stuff. You had a blog because I remember trying to like get on your blog. Right. And like, and, and, and then you had a podcast and then you turned it into an event. And I was like, man, I could have had the, the tech in Boston event. Right. But, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy the way things worked out the way they did, but yeah, you, your story is very similar. Well, you kind of do now with, uh, with hyper growth, right. So, which is, uh, which yeah, is global. I think that's the thing, right? Like I, I got to do all these things like on a small scale on my own, but then like, I got to go to Drift and like, okay, figure out how to do a conference, figure out how to write a book, figure out how to do a podcast for a business, figure out how to create content for like, that was where, you know, my, my side project was like the testing ground and then, and then got to go to Drift and, 
I had no experience running events or writing books or creating podcasts or, you know, doing lead gen or any of that stuff, but got to figure it out here. And I think I just, uh, I didn't know this at the time, but what I optimized for was learning instead of earning. And, and I learned more probably in the last three and a half years than I have in my, in my, you know, 31 years on the planet, like combined easily. Yeah, no, no. So, so obviously, obviously, you know, following, uh, you know, Drift, the, uh, you know, the podcast, and uh, it, it definitely seems, I think, like when, when you kind of first started there, that you weren't a massive reader. Uh, and then I think, is it DC's influence? Like now you're, I don't know how many books you're reading uh, a, a week or a month, but um, you, you're always kind of recommending sort of like really good quality books. Uh, that yeah. I guess is, is, are you finding them yourselves or is DC recommending them to you? Well, so th- this was, this is, he, he, basically he, he's a, he's a machine when it comes to reading and learning. And so what I do is whenever he tells me about a book now, I just buy it. And I've bought more books than I can read and keep up with. And and I'm not one of those people who I don't read fast. So I'm not going to read 200 books in a year, but what I am going to read is the the 15 books I do read is going to be the right ones. And I'm also able to read, I picked up this habit from DC, which is, uh, he almost never finishes books. And I realized that that's totally okay because you pick up a book and you skim it and you get two, three things out of it. What? That's like reading an amazing blog post, but it's from a book, which is withstood the test of time. And so uh, he helped me figure out how to read more and read to learn. Like reading for me isn't very pleasurable. Like if I have free time, I'm not going to spend four hours and read a book. But every day I try to like treat it like I like treat work, I, working out. I try to work out every day. I try to read a book for 20, 30 minutes every day. And so even on my commute, I, I walk 20 minutes, it's 20 minutes each way. That's 40 minutes round trip. I could basically get through one audio book a week if I do it that way. Yeah. Um, but, but he also, he also helped me figure out like I didn't read before, but that's because I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't reading with a purpose. Uh, and so I, I realized that I really love marketing. And so he started basically feeding me all these marketing books. And that's what was like, that's what made me love reading is because I would read something and then be actually like actually able to get something out of it. And then I would go apply and that would help me like in my career, like it would get, help me get a promotion or make more money or, you know, get more publicity. And like, it was, it was directly influencing like my success and personal development and, 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 and because it was having an impact on the business. And so that was like such a huge moment for me, which is like, I got to see how the stuff that I was reading and studying and investing in was paying off. And that's what makes me want to, continue to read is because i i want to keep that edge now ha- hands up i i didn't actually uh, see your talk at sasdoc because i mean there, there's so many so much content going on uh and it's because you're busy running because you're busy running the event exactly I, I i barely see any of the talks and to be honest and even when i did sit down to watch one somebody yeah. tapped me tap, somebody tapped yeah. me on the shoulder to kind of deal with something but uh, I, I believe well first of all i i heard amazing things about it uh, like from everybody that i, I spoke to um, second of all, I, I think it was around about the old marketing playbook not really kind of working uh, anymore and, and about why brand is so essential uh, in, in SaaS. Um, so tell us a little bit in, in a nutshell, uh, like why that is. So the, the reason brand is so important today is because I think there's really two things that have impacted like any, any industry. And that's number one is, is options. And number two is information. And so options, meaning in any industry, uh, there is more competition than ever, ever before any single industry, right? Like, look at, let's take podcasts. Everybody has a podcast. Let's take events about SaaS. 
There's a million of them, right? So every industry, there is, there is more competition than ever. And, and so you, you will never enter a market today where there's no competition. And if you did enter a market with no competition, most people would look at you like you're crazy anyway, because how are you going to make money if there's no competition? It's not a good thing. There's no market. So number one is more competition than ever, because it's been easier to start anything than, than ever, right? Number two is, uh, is information, right? Number one was options. Number two is information. Information meaning every company has a podcast, has a blog, is doing videos, doing social media, is running ads, is doing content marketing, blogging, SEO, email. Like we are just, as people, I, know, I don't know how you feel, but like I'm drowning in information. I can't keep up. I wish it was like, I wish I could go back and just like get a newspaper delivered to my door every day that said, here's what you need to know from one source. And so because of that, like people don't know who to trust as buyers and you and I are more skeptical than ever, but because we have access to all of these comp- all the competitive options and all the information, customers have all the power today, not companies. That's a huge shift, right? Where like, if you were the only, you know, if Dreamforce is the only conference in town, then you got to go, right? If, if, if you're the only company in the world that makes this blue water bottle, then you can control exactly the buying process and the customers. But today, customers have all the power. And so they have all the choice. And so the only way to win them is you have to win their hearts and their minds. And the way that you do that is through building a brand. Because every company, every sales rep is going to tell you that. What do they tell you? They say that my thing is faster. It's better. It's easier to use. It's, it integrates with all the tools you work with. Everybody's saying the same thing. And so even if you do have the best product, People don't believe you because consumers were all more skeptical than ever. And so brand is that thing that, that gets you hooked, right? Brand is what people say about you when you're, when you're not there. Brand is how your business and product looks and feels and makes people feel. And so those are all the things that can't be copied in a world where anybody can copy anything you do. The brand is the thing that they can't copy. And so you got to be, you have to be investing in brand today as a company or business or conference or whatever you want to try to win and compete. So what were the sort of the key like facets of, uh, of brand to, to, to drift when you started, you know, going about building brand, like how did you then achieve and like sort of measure up against those? So I think for us, what's, what's interesting is like, and I think the biggest mistake people make with brand is they're like, okay, brand. So I got to have my creative team. We got to, we got to redo our website. We need a new logo. We need new colors. No, 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 no. None of that to me is brand. Those are all pieces of it. And so what we did early on at drift, which is like, I think David had, he wrote down basically like kind of marketing principles, which is before we were even marketing, he wrote down what he wanted our marketing to be like. And so it was like kind of principles driven, which is like, write like you talk. Uh, so that one's obvious, right? Don't need, don't need to explain it, but nobody does it in business. Uh, number two is like always use real faces. And so we stopped using stock photography and only use real pictures of either us or our customers. Um, you know, there's so many other things like, like be, be real, be human, be authentic. Like I want you to feel, I want people to, I want to be the same person I am on this conversation as I am at home tonight with my wife and, and kid. Right. Uh, verse like on our podcast first, like if you bumped into me in the street on a Sunday morning, like I should always feel the same to you. And that's because I'm trying to be real. I'm real. I'm authentic. There's a great quote from uh, Patagonia, Patagonia's founder, Yvonne Chouinard, he talks about their brand and he says, our brand, he, he said, I'm just paraphrasing, but he said like, we don't use a fake slogan like the Marlboro man. Uh, we are just, we are who we are. And when you're, when you're you, like you don't have to think about what is our brand, right? Like what is on brand or off brand? You don't have to think about it because you're you. And so he said that, you know, writing, 
non, he said, nonfiction is much easier than fiction from a brand perspective. And, and that is like the quote that has stuck with me the most is like, nonfiction is easier than fiction. If you have to be, our brand is blah, 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 and blah. Then I have to walk into work every day and be like, remember, Dave, you're at work now. And so it's blah, 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 and blah. Where if you're you all around, that's also something you can scale. And so now there's 300 people at Drift and like everyone's posting videos, everyone's talking like themselves. And those have kind of become ingredients of, of what our brand is. That's a, I mean, it's a, a great point and a great quote uh, there uh, as well. Something uh, definitely, I've, I mean, I've, I've read the book, uh, Let My People Go Surfing, I think, is it? That, that's what it's called, right? Um, and I think I learned about it through, uh, through your podcast. So uh, uh, I'm definitely getting some, uh, uh, some wisdom from, uh, uh, from you guys. Um, well, I read a great post, um, I, I can't remember, it was like a while back, where somebody kind of like described what you guys are kind of achieving through marketing and brand is like somewhat akin to like a reality show almost because you're really getting to know uh, Drift and the people behind Drift. And, you know, so like on your, you know, um, on your Instagram, you've got, uh, is it Inside Drift? Or, you, you know, you've got your stories about like, who is the team and you're meeting the real people, right? Obviously, you really get to know, I think, or you get that feeling that you get to know yourself and uh, and David Cancel, you know, on the podcast and you're constantly doing videos. So it was that kind of, do, do you resonate with this sort of reality show kind of like uh, a sort of metaphor? Uh, is that sort of intentional or like, what, what do you feel about that? <laughs> I, I completely resonated, but it, but it wasn't, it was not intentional. We, you know, and I think there's Andy Raskin was the guy that wrote the article that you're, that you're talking about. And, and I've gotten to know him very well and he's become a friend. And, and we talk about this a bunch where, you know, it is reality TV, but we never set, it's not like we sat in a room and we're like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to build a brand by like being real and, and doing, and always filming. And so the, the reason it happened was really because early days of drift, we had no content, we had nothing. And so we kind of started this podcast, which the only goal of the podcast was to like get content out of David. Cause he's a genius. Don't tell him I said that. And, uh, I was, I was a marketer trying to get content out of him and I wanted to just record him so I could like ghostwrite for him. Right. And what it morphed into was this podcast that was like, Hey, why'd you say that thing at the company meeting the other day? Why do we set goals this way? Why do you not like having this thing inside of a company? Why don't you believe in meetings? Why don't, and so it was like, just ended up being me being curious, like asking him all these questions that a lot of people also had not about drift, but about their business. And so that like, then we got all this early feedback and response from people where they were like, man, that's really cool. I never thought about setting goals like that. Wow. That was so, Hey, I listened to your podcast about setting goals. That was super helpful. Uh, and it just kind of morphed into like, okay, let's just continue to do that. And, and it's now just become us. And so you know, like hypergrowth, our conference, the way we came up for that was like, David wanted to do an event, but he didn't want it to be like a traditional event. And so we thought like, what if hypergrowth kind of felt like the, the onstage version of Seeking Wisdom where we position it as, hey, we're bringing you the people that we've learned from and we think are mentors. And so it's a day where they come and talk, not some random person we picked out of a lineup, but people books, books from people we've read, speakers we've been inspired by, athletes we follow. What if we had them come? And so every thread just kind of keeps going along like that with, with what we do in marketing. I, th I think David, I think the real story is David got inspired by Sastock, right? So he just wanted to do a conference. <laughs> yes. He, 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 like there's only one, there's, there's only one uh, conference about SAS in Dublin and we need to do one. 
um uh you, you're coming over to london actually we, we we'll, we'll talk about that at the um, uh, at the end uh, sure. um uh you, we, we've obviously talked about being real like brand being real not being not fiction you know is it easy to uh, i guess for everybody to kind of like be authentic be real be human at, at scale um like are you seeing much are you seeing other companies do it well so i think it's easy if you i think it's hard but it's easy it's hard because people just like kind of come into work and they start using business words. Right. And they start doing things like, and, and, and also people don't believe they're like, yeah, but DG, they say like, this isn't going to work in my industry. We sell to enterprises. I'm like, that's bullshit though. Enterprises are people like that's people. We're all people. Uh, and so I think that part of it, it, it's a thing I have a hard time explaining because it's easy for me. And maybe this mark, this style of marketing might not work for other people, but, um, I think a lot of people struggle with it because, because they, they don't know they're, they're afraid, right. They're afraid of like the rem like, wait, I can use emojis in an email. I can, I can like swear I can have a typo and not like lose my job over it. And so, um, I think there's a big shift that's happening, but if you look at some of the most successful companies today, uh, they all kind of have that thread of, of being real and authentic, but also I think you have to do what works for you in your industry. And so, Meaning like, and, and also what works for you personally. And so I have done a million videos and done a million podcasts. And so it's easy for me to talk like this. And it's easy for me to put a camera in front of my face and make a video. I think the biggest mistake people make is they just want to, that, that to me is not what makes you real or authentic, right? That's just one channel that we chose to use because it's worked well for us. But like, if I was a better writer or if I love long form writing, I would spend more time like with a newsletter or something like that. And so, uh, or maybe your, your thing is like you, you love data. And so could you find a way of like showing people how you look at data and how you sift through data and, and create a way for people to connect with you that through that channel for us, this has been a channel that works well for me and for us and for the company. Um, but that's not what I think, you know, us doing like LinkedIn videos of a selfie walking down the street to me is not like, what real and authentic marketing means. It's just the channel that we chose. So you have to pick the channel that's going to be most comfortable for you. Maybe it's an event, right? Maybe that's how you do it. So comfortable channel for us, that's what we use. You, you mentioned um, there uh, uh, sort of early on in, in, in that answer, just around, you know, the, the shifts that, that we're kind of seeing, not in, in marketing, but also, uh, you, you know, sales, right? And I think according to you, the, like, the next decade, um, you, you know, because people are getting like uh, less and less susceptible to being sold to, uh, sold to that we'll see, you know, in the next decade that it's just going to be an all time low, right? People are just, just not loving it, right? How, how, do, how do we negate that? Because everyone needs to, everyone's selling, right? That's how we make money. Every, everybody's a salesman. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it is. And when I said that, like, no, the realization was like, this is not my realization. Just talking to a lot of people. Nobody wants to be marketed to and nobody wants to be sold to. <laughs> Okay. So then how do I do my job as a marketer? Right. And, and I think it all comes back to being able to connect with people. And so, uh, I think, I think what's, what's going to change is like the people there, you can't really have any gimmicks or like get rich quick schemes or, or like fakeness anymore or clickbait because everybody is, is too like hypersensitive to what, what marketing is and they want to tune it out. And so I think the way that companies are going to win I forgot what your question was, but I'm just ranting. Is like, is creating? Yeah, like, why, why, why do, why do you think that it, um, you know, people being sold to like will be at an all-time low, like the feeling of it, like in the next sort of ten years? 
Because like the companies that are winning today are the ones who, who make it easy to buy, right? Like look at, look at what's happening. Like SEO, I'm not saying SEO is dead because the SEO community will kill me. And I don't know that much about SEO, right? But like, have you seen this now? Like if you do a Google search for um, whatever, Google's serving up the answer inside of Google. They're not even taking you to that person's website, right? And so as a marketer, you don't get to control like what the answer is anymore. People are just, oh, all people want is information quickly, okay? Uh, or like they're even just saying like, they're, you know, with, with the rise of voice, they're speaking into their echo or, or, you know, or Google voice, whatever that thing is called. And they're getting the answer right away. You know, the average blah, blah, blah is two feet long. Okay, you haven't even gone to the website. So I think that information and technology has gotten so abundant and it's everywhere that marketers don't really control the buying process anymore. And so you have to find a way that, you, how are you, what are you going to do in a world where everybody can find out everything about your business before ever talking to anybody in your team? Like my, my wife and I bought a new car about a month ago and we walked into the dealership basically like, we've already done all our research. I just need to test drive this one car. I want to be out of here in 20 minutes, right? Like five years ago, it would have been crazy. Like my dad was like so thrown off by this. He said, whoa, 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 whoa. You're going to buy a car today? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I don't want to sit here all day. I don't want to be sold to. I want to walk off the lot with a car today. And he's like, how do you, I was like, I've already done my research, right? I know I've narrowed it down to these two models. I'm just debating, should I get the new one or the used one? And I want to drive off to the car of the lot today. And I think that's how we all feel with, with being sold to. And, and if we can't find what we want from one company, then we Google Drift Alternative and we end up on a competitor's website and we lost them. And so I think that's just kind of become the common, the common way people buy from now, from now into the future. I know as we, we just sort of come to the end of the show as we're, uh, you, you know, restricted by uh, time today. And, uh, uh, you, you know, we always ask our guests how they stay healthy and sane. You mentioned, um, I think, right at the beginning of the podcast that you, you go to the gym or work out every day. Um, is, is, is that the case? Well, what is, don't you do like uh, Barry's boot camp or is that just at conferences? Or um, what's your healthy and sane sort of top tips? Uh my healthy, so, so it's, it's tough. Like I had a, I had a, I have a one and a half year old and I definitely worked out less after she was born trying to balance drift and, you know, and life and, and uh, not sleeping much. But, uh, I've been in a really good routine lately. And the only secret that I have is, is, uh, I work out in the morning and I've just been over the last two months, I've been in a knock on wood. I've been in a really good rhythm lately. My wife said last night, she'd been, she'd been, you've been really good. I've been going to bed very early. Uh, because if I got to get up in the morning, like the actual, the actual workout is what not, is, is not what stops me from working out. I know what I'm going to do. It's being tired and not wanting to wake up. And so, uh, I've just been ruthless about, I get up at five o'clock. I know that I need eight hours of sleep. And so I get in bed at eight 30. So it gives me 20 minutes to read and unwind and then get eight hours of sleep. So I've learned that about myself and accepted it. And so, you know, I could read every startup blog in the world. That's like, you know, these CEOs wake up at 4am. Well, I couldn't do that unless I went to bed at six or seven. And so I've just committed the way that I get to the gym is by going to bed early. If I get in bed at eight 30, I know for a fact that I can wake up the next morning and go to the gym. So out of all the gym life hacks, whatever, it's not about drinking more water or this thing or that thing. It's like, if I go to bed at the right time, I know that I'm going to go to the gym. Yeah, no, it's uh, <clears throat> exactly the same for me. I mean, I, I get up at half five, but it's the 
it's it's the tiredness that ever sort of prevents me from going to the gym on that particular day. So depending on whether you've got had the good night's sleep or not, and it's difficult. And, and it just it just comes down to what do I what do I care about, right? If somebody wants to, um, well, I don't do this anymore because I, I want to be home every night to see my daughter and, and put her to bed. But like, if somebody was like, "Hey, Dave, we're going out for a drink tonight." Shoot, then I got to make a decision, right? Am I going to have two drinks and go to bed at ten o'clock and then miss my gym? Is that worth it? And so I just kind of take the what, what's more important to me: having two drinks with somebody or getting up and working out. I'm sorry, I got to be a little selfish and, and protect that time. And I just, you know, go and go back and look at the most successful people. They all do that. It's it just ruthless. It seems so silly. Like every every advice, every piece of advice is about ruth, the ruth, ruthless prioritization of your time. But if you actually do it, it makes all the difference in the world. Uh, lastly, uh, your podcast book conference, um, tell us a little bit about those where people can, uh, find you, see you. So hypergrowth.com is where all the events are. We're going to be in London in June. We're going to be in Boston in, uh, in September and we're going to be in San Francisco in November. So we're doing it three times this year, uh, triple the size, which is super exciting and scary and fun because events are madness and, uh, you know how that, that is. A uh, podcast is called Seeking Wisdom. I actually just started a new podcast inside of Seeking Wisdom called The Swipe File. Uh, so you can go check that out. It's not out till March 15th, but you can go subscribe today. And then everywhere online, I'm, I'm, I'm at Dave Gerhardt. But uh, I, I, as people have told me, I don't make it hard for you to find things about me. So No problem. You didn't mention the book, Conversational Marketing. Oh, the book. Yeah. The book. The, the number one best-selling uh, book. That, the book. The book is uh, available everywhere books are sold. Thank you for plugging it. Uh, but... Amazon, go to Amazon, look for conversational marketing, or you can just go to drift.com slash book. Well, Dave, um, on that note, uh, you know, thanks for taking the time today. Uh, fascinating to talk to you uh, as always. Um, surely I'll see you in London for hyper growth uh, and, and hopefully in Dublin for, uh, for SASDOC 19 in October. Um, yeah, so- I can't wait. I can't wait to come back. You know what? I, there is a phenomenal, I didn't know this, but there, I went to one of the best pizza places I've ever been to in Dublin. Oh really? What was the name? Yeah. Oh shit! I got okay, email, email me. Email me. I'll email you. It was a uh, one of one of the one of the guys on the sales team here. Uh, he worked at Dropbox in Dublin, and he was texting me all the all the recommendations of places that we got to go. So I, I'll send it to you because my wife and I were like, we went there for lunch, and we we're like, hold on, I'm in Dublin eating one of the best pieces of pizza I've ever had in my life. What is happening right now? Awesome. <laughs> I, well, I need to know. I'm in Dublin next week, so uh, I'll, I'll right. go check it out. All right, Dave. Thanks yeah, so much. Cheers. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the SaaS Revolution Show and you've picked up some valuable lessons from Dave Gerhardt. We've just launched our call for content. Uh, uh, That's for SaaS.19. And if you have a a story to share that's filled with lessons and advice from scaling your SaaS business, uh, whether you're even pre-revenue, you know, uh, product market fit is something that you're trying to achieve uh, whether you've hit a milestone of 1 million in revenue, 10 million, 100 million, uh, and you're scaling and you're a rocket ship, um, depending on what department you're in, whether you're the founder, uh, you're in sales, you're VP of marketing, customer success, products, etc., you get it if you've got a great story, uh, a great talk, 
something that you think will uh, resonate with uh, other members of the SaaS community, then just head over to sas.com forward slash apply to speak. Um, if you simply want to attend and soak up the learnings from the likes of Dave Gerhardt and 149 other great speakers, uh, then sign up for the insider sale for SASDOC19 at sasdoc.com forward slash insiders or join us in one of our uh, series events. Uh, go to sasdoc.com forward slash events to see if we're going to be in a continent uh, near you this year. I think the answer is yes, as we're in five of the uh, six continents. So, uh, busy year for us, but um, uh, we'll be seeing you at one of our conferences uh, soon. Uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. See you next time.